God works His holy will through His people. He didn't have to do that. He could, in a supernatural way, without mankind touching things, He could have done His will perfectly. But He chose to use us, and that is our blessing in life. That does not mean to say that everything that we do is holy, or even licensed by God. We're humans. We make choices, and we decide. Uh, Just like today, you decided to come out here in spite of the rain to church, and I salute you for that. God bless you because you've been obedient to him. You will be blessed for that. God always does bless when we gather together. God is in the process today of completing his mission that Jesus began. The finished work of Christ was done on the cross and through the empty tomb. Yet the work that he does through his creation goes forward. And we have a part in that that is so special. The mission that we are to complete is to seek out those people, those believers, and to bring them not only to faith in Christ, but to disciple them, to continue in the footsteps of Jesus that we follow in to fulfill his mission. The power for the mission comes through the Holy Spirit, always. That's the power that we use today. And the motivation for completing that mission comes from the fact that Jesus one day will return. All of these things give us power And authority is the church to do something that is so remarkable that has continued for so many years, generation after generation. There are some principles, some important principles we need to learn from this historical narrative that we read in the first chapter of Acts. It is so important for us to understand what it says. Now, the title of the message today is very plainly, a place where you belong. And I want to remind you that we are all in this place for a reason. Because we are called by Him. We are given His ability to complete that mission and to follow through in our portion of it. But we belong here. I want you to also make note that in the end of verse 25, it says that Judas left to go where he belongs. Now it's sad to know that and to realize that. That Judas started out, I think, with a very sincere heart. He wanted to follow Christ. And I believe that he was obedient in that. But at some point in that process, he was distracted and he was drawn away. At some point going through that, he was willing to deviate away from the calling of the Holy Spirit And he allowed himself to be deceived. We can fairly well understand why. We are told very plainly that he carried the bag, meaning he was the treasurer for the disciples. In doing that, he saw a value in that, and that overcame him. And I'll tell you, and I've said it to every treasurer in this church, the reality is... The greatest value in this church is not what we put in the bank. It's what we have in the pews. Our human resources are our greatest resources. In fact, I would dare say that uh, what we take in, we spend, like most churches. But truly, the indispensable gift to this church is each one of you and what you do. What you give and how you participate Because that glorifies God more than anything else that we do. 
I want you to realize, I don't want to dwell on the, the fact that Judas went to his place. I want to think about your place today, what you're doing, what Christ has for you. We belong here in prayer in the continuing work of Christ. How can we know that we're following in the footsteps of the apostles? How can we know that we're going forth? Because you see, they were called to choose one to replace Judas, and they did so. And just as a footnote for anybody that might wonder about it, when it says they cast lots, let me explain that to you in a very simple way so you'll understand it. That is not gambling. They did the same thing that we would have done as kids when we were trying to pick a, a ball team. We drew straws. And now, I'll, I'll grant it, the one that held the straws, I never really trusted because I didn't know if they pinched off the bottom of a straw while I was coming up to pull one because I always seemed to get the short straw. But the reality is it was a way for them to make a choice that was made by God, not by them. Matthias was not picked out of a popular sentiment. God chose him for a reason. Because he had to carry on the continuing work of Christ among the apostles. They qualified him by saying he was there to witness the work of Christ. The crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord. He saw all of that. And he continued that work. I have unfortunately been here to bury many wonderful saints in this church. Many that impacted my life greatly that I will never forget. And as I pass through the waning moments of life and as I feel my soul slipping out of my body to go to heaven, they will be on my mind and no doubt will be there to meet me. But in the reality of that, God has blessed us with a new generation coming on week by week to carry on that work in a mighty way. And therefore, I can say, who's the greatest member of First Baptist Church of Selma? I frankly, Jeff, don't think we've seen that person yet, do you? That person may be seated over here with Gina. And they may be up there in the room. It, that, that person may be in the nursery right now. We don't know. But God continues to bring forth a new generation. And we're excited about that. But for today and for right now, here's what I want to think about. How can we know that we are continuing the work of Christ in the church? How can we know that we're going forward as many of the great saints have in the past, even here in this church? How can we know that? Well, there's some simple ways. The first way is this. God chooses to bless us. Blessings are placed upon your life for a reason. God loves you. He doesn't just sit up there. He's not like the, the child sitting on the float as it goes down the street during the parade that throws candy out to everybody. No, God has a purpose for what he does. It's a marvelous thing to realize that God works his will through people, but it's even more magnificent to realize he works his will through you. And he knows you, and he loves you. He hears your prayers when you pray. Very specifically... He will answer your prayers in some amazing ways. I've had God answer prayers so suddenly that there was no doubt it was God. He had a way of touching me at the time that I needed Him the most. He's taken care of issues that no human could care for. 
and I know that he loves me, and therefore that is the seal that his hand is upon me. Don't ever lose sight of that. Don't ever forget what he is doing. God often speaks in an audible voice, yours. And if you're speaking on his behalf, people know that. God has spoken through many people before and given me encouragement and strength and given me direction and let me know that his hand is upon me. That is how the world can hear him say, I love you through you. It's so important for us to be that person. God just uses people like you and me to show the world that he cares. He doesn't use the most qualified, the most gifted. He uses us. He's not looking for somebody that's able to do what needs to be done. He's looking for somebody that's available. And then he equips you to do that. Many times God will speak through us and we're not prepared to speak. We don't know what to say. But God gives us the words at the right time in the right way. And power comes out of that because, number one, he speaks, but number two, you don't get credit for it because you even realize that didn't come from me. It came from the Lord. As God was about to give birth to his church, he wanted to make sure that the proper people were in the proper place to complete that mission. Today is no different. God is calling people even today to step forward and to make themselves available to serve Him. That's so important. When you leave this world, when, when you close your eyes for the last time and you open them on heaven, it will not matter what you've done in this world as far as the work or career you followed. Your, your degrees and all of your accomplishments, whether they were among your friends or before the world, will not matter. As I said last week, only one thing will matter. What did you do with the name Jesus Christ? Day at 5 o'clock, rain or shine, we're going to have Jesus Day. Amen, Dr. Chittam? We're prepared out there in the middle of a great hangar, hangar number 255. And we already have things out there. Barry's already taken our golf cart out there, and by the grace of God, it'll be there when we get there, hopefully. They've got all sorts of equipment out there. We've got everything out there for that. And not that today, out of 365 days in the year, is Jesus' day. It's, it's one Jesus' day of 365. But it's the day that we dedicate ourselves to reaching out to the community, to, to the masses, to whoever will come, and just loving them and letting them know who Jesus is. It's our opportunity and some amazing things will happen because of that. But we have to take that step to go forth and do that. We have to make a difference. We have to be willing to say, Lord, use me. Because God chooses to bless us as he's blessing others. And if we're a channel of his blessings to others, he will continue to use us. He's not looking for somebody that's able. He's looking for somebody that's available. And that day, the ranks of the disciples had been depleted by one, but they replaced that one. And Matthias did a great work. Every day, someone graduates on to heaven. 
but someone is called through the Holy Spirit to continue that work. Now, how did God choose someone to complete that mission? He did it through the church, and the people were obedient. The second thing you need to realize is this. We must choose to listen. You may hear the call to the Lord, but you can ignore what's being said. I went to visit an older couple in my church in Atlanta one time, and the wife was washing and drying dishes, and I went in, and as she was talking to me, she was very vigorously drying the dishes, and she was talking about her frustrations in life. And she said, I can't seem to get anything done, and I'm doing it all by myself. And I'm sitting there thinking, why is this lady telling me this and, and it, 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 you know, just, just expressing her frustrations. And then I looked to the corner, and there in the corner of the den was her husband sitting there with his widescreen TV on and his remote in hand and all. And finally, after a sufficient time of, of telling me her frustrations, he said, Preacher, don't worry, it's not you, it's me. He heard. He heard. She laid her dishes down, and she says, Lo and behold, a miracle has occurred. 59 years and he's finally listening to me. There's a problem because sometimes we listen but we don't hear. The difference, I believe, is listening means our heart listens, not just our ear canals. It means that it processes to our brain and then it goes to our heart. I'm asking you, are you listening today? Are you hearing what God is saying to you? Is the Holy Spirit communicating to you what, what you must do because it's important that you make that choice? You're the point at which everything can be cut off and end. I've often said that probably the most used thing in a church, in a sanctuary, is not the piano or the organ, it's not the, uh, the pews that the choir sits in, it's that rounded off rail on the edge of the pew on the top in front of you because that's what so many people hold on to when the Holy Spirit is calling them and they say no. And some people do that week after week. Some people do that once and go home and never come back. Some people look for a reason not to come back. Because they don't want to respond to that calling because they're afraid. And, and if you're afraid when you hear the calling, I understand that because I was afraid. I was that kid that stuttered, that was terrified of being called upon to pray in youth group. There was a pole in front of me where I always sat, about like the one in front of Harold Watts. I told Harold, I, I identify very well with that pole there was a time when I was skinny enough to get behind that pole and hide. I can't now. It takes something much larger than that to hide me. But I would sit behind that pole hoping that our youth pastor would not call on me to do the closing prayer because I was terrified because I stuttered. God still used me. I ran from him for nine years. I said no to his call. I went forward. I answered his call, but I ran. And I can say this, in those nine years, I was very successful in life. I was a failure, spiritually speaking. And I was never really happy until I answered that call. The same is true for what God's called you to do. Whether he's called you to usher or teach a Sunday school class or sing in the choir 
or, or use your skills and your talents and your abilities to serve Him. If you say no, you're not listening to Him with your heart. Now, verse 13 says that they all went upstairs to a room where they were staying. You know, a second floor room back then was usually the biggest room, and that was the gathering place because it was cooler back then. They didn't have carrier air conditioning, and they'd go to a higher room, hopefully that would catch a breeze and be a place where they could dwell. All, the, all those men were there, but there were ladies that worshipped also. They were a part of that. And that was a very important gathering for them. And they all felt the calling of God upon them. They gathered to pray. And that's so important. This church at a time in its life when they were concerned about where things would go, a group gathered to pray. A wonderful group. In fact, the reality is, and I don't think I'm wrong in this, Claire, you're here and you're my witness. By the way, Claire and Elton Ralston, I'm so glad y'all are back. It hadn't been the same without you. But Claire will tell you, when y'all started praying, and she's told me many times, she said, we prayed you here. That makes the difference. They met on Monday nights. They still meet on Monday nights. They still pray. Dr. Chittam, they meet at your house now. They still pray. You say, well, they were praying to get a pastor, and I've been here 12 years. Well, they're not praying to get another pastor. They're praying that God will continue to bless the church will continue to work in the church. And can I tell you this, for all of you that are part of that, Britt, you've been the most consistent part of that. It's still working. God is working. We have our upper room. We pray. We pray in good times and bad, in good weather and bad weather. Because we know that prayer changes the heart of God as it changes us. You see, prayer works both ways. Prayer is not about putting money into a vending machine. No, not at all. It's about communing with the true and living God. And as He changes us, He works mighty things. And that's why prayer matters. And lastly, I want you to realize this. God sanctifies and equips those who are surrendered to His will. He always does that. He purifies us. He cleanses us. And then he equips us to do what we need to do. Matthias was that example of surrender. He was right there through the storms. He would have stood there had he have not been chosen as one of that inner circle. He would have still been there. But when they have just put Christ to death and then Stephen died... It was quite a challenge to step forward. It was not like just being a part of the inner circle. No, what Matthias was saying was, I'm willing to die if it comes to that. I'm willing to give my life. That's what surrender meant. I remind you that of those 12, 11 suffered a martyr's death. I was always moved by the fact that Simon Peter was crucified upside down. I, I believe because it didn't say in the Sunday school literature when I was growing up why he was crucified upside down. I just assumed that they did that as an insult, but not at all. He requested that. They were going to crucify him just like our Lord. And he said, I don't deserve to die as our Lord did. Crucify me upside down. 
Simon Peter made many mistakes early on in his walk with the Lord. But he finished well. He figured it out. He changed and he moved in the right direction. That is so important. I want to end by, I can't show this to everybody, but I'm holding in my hands the Oxford Bible that I had during my master's level studies at New Orleans Seminary. It was the standard Bible we had to use in every class. And I hold it because, I, and I don't know, Claire, if you can see this. Claire's a, a, a teacher, and Renee's a teacher. Do you see that handwriting there? Let me see if you can... Can you read this? You know what I've got written in this Bible? I took 118 pages of notes out of my computer and I wrote them handwritten in here because we had a test one day and in the test the professor said, it's an open book test. Anything you write in there you can use. I wrote every single, look at that. Look how small that is. I wrote every single, I made 100 on the test. I'm telling you that because I'm going to tell you a story about a boy that was in school a number of years ago in, in Lubbock, Texas. He was in college there uh, doing an undergraduate study, and they were, they were studying logic, which is something logic and rhetoric were two things that I was very serious about in school. And in this class on logic, Steve Winger was told by his professor, and the whole class was, they said, he, the professor said, you can take one sheet of paper, one eight and a half by 11 white sheet of paper, and anything you put on that you can bring to class for the final exam. Anything. And so suddenly that night, people were learning to write in the smallest font they could write in. I mean, literally. They said one girl had written line after line, and she realized there was space in between, and then in between she wrote another line along there, and they were writing all over. And they said the papers came in, and they held them up, and they were almost black, not white, from all the writing on there, except for one st student, Stephen Winger. Stephen came in with his sheet of paper, and it was perfectly blank. You know what he did? He took his piece of paper, he laid it next to his desk, and a boy walked in that nobody knew. And he walked over to that sheet of paper and he stood on that sheet of paper. Now the professor knew. You know who he brought in? He brought one of his neighbors who was a Ph.D. candidate for logic at the big university down the road in Waco. That's who he brought. And on that paper he stood and the professor started laughing. And he said... What are you doing, Stephen? He said, you told us that anything that we put on that paper we could use in our exam, and I'm using him. Now, you know, that was genius. In fact, uh, I told Murray that earlier, and Murray said, well, what did he make on the test? I never heard the rest of the story. Who knows? He might have been thrown out of school. But I want to I tell you this. What Steve Winger did is exactly what we should do. We can't stand on our own words, our own notes, anything that we've done. We stand on Jesus Christ alone, and He must be there with us through His Holy Spirit. The church would be useless with the most gifted people if His Spirit is not here. I've walked into churches that did not have the Holy Spirit. And the coldness and the indifference 
made everything mechanical. You've been in one of those churches. You know what I'm talking about. But I walked into a church where the Spirit of God came in in the life of each member. And the warmth and the peace and the joy and the happiness was there. That's the church that God blesses. And after 180 plus years of being here in Selma, I want that to be the church called First Baptist Church of Selma. I want us to be that church that loves people through these doors, that touches their life, that amalgamates them into what we know of as the church here and uses them to be a blessing to everyone else. That's what God's called us to do. That's the church he'll bless, and that's the church we must be. Let us pray. Father, I ask today that we would be faithful to you, faithful in giving our lives as a living sacrifice, faithful in knowing that you lead us in all that we do, and that we must be obedient, step by step, moment by moment, thought by thought, prayer by prayer. Father, let us realize the importance of what we do because all of us have a limited amount of time on this earth. It's called our life. And as we are obedient to you, lives will be changed, the kingdom will be built, your will will be done, and eternity will be a blessing for all of us. I pray that you'd speak to someone this morning that wants to be a part of that. And they've never embraced the gift of salvation. And today's their day to say yes to you. May they be willing to come forward and become a part of that kingdom. If there's someone here that's never joined this church and they've stayed apart because they know that commitment is required. And today they're pre prepared to make that commitment. I pray that you would lead them even now. And if there's one that needs to come and say, Lord, I need to find my place with you or I need to be restored to a place with you. May they come forward and pray and find that place even now. Father, speak to us and may we listen to your Holy Spirit. We pray this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.